can only chase that dog for so long before you run into a fire hydrant and you're just not going to be able you're not going to be able to get to where they are i mean look look what happened today brian harson supposedly took the auburn job you know because he basically said we need to get out of the mountain west and he looked around and said we're not getting out of the mountain west so i'm getting out of the mountain west and i'm going to the sec boise has the same problem right now that idaho had in the sunbelt there's no place to go there's no place to go for boise state as much as they've had success in football they're not that attractive, at least to where they want them. We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have Brian Marceau. Brian, how are you doing today? We've got a legend on, man, so I'm doing great. We do. We we indeed do have a legend on today, uh, Not on, on a special day, nonetheless, it's you know, 2016 on this day, December 22nd, uh, it's the, the Potato Bowl victory over the Rams, 61-50. That I think a lot of people um, remember is one of the greats in Vandal history. And with that, we have one of the other greats in Vandal history, one of the best voices of the Vandals, uh, and just the Inland Empire as a whole, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Dennis Patchen. So with that, without that... Let's get into it and thank Montucky Cold Snacks for being our sponsor for this episode and all episodes. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. And without further ado, we have Dennis Patchen with us. Dennis, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, you said there was a legend coming on. I'm waiting for him. Where's who is that? I'd like to. Know. I'd like to know. Uh, yeah, we we've got uh, John Freeze on next. Actually, oh, uh, <laughs> I got a John Freeze story for you. So, ooh, see, we're leading off. Now we're excited. We're ready to roll. Um, so to start, kind of, I mean, a lot of people know who you are, but I don't know if everyone's ever heard your story. So, can you kind of tell us, like, how you got into journalism? Um. It was funny because I was um, I grew up in a little town in southeast Idaho, American Falls, uh, Idaho. It's a town of about 2,500 people. Uh, and I was going to be a teacher and a coach. And I went to Idaho State University to to accomplish that goal. And um, I had a student advisor my first year. And um, I played around with some uh, videotaping uh, in high school and doing some play-by-play a little bit. And she goes, well... She asked me, what, what did I do in high school? And I told her, and she goes, well, um, you, should, you should try this introduction to broadcasting. I said, okay, it's, it sounds like an easy A. It, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the things they do. So 
I took the class, had a good time. I took a second class because I had a good time, had a better time. I took a third class, um, and then I was, I was hooked, and the teaching and coaching went out to business. I did marry a teacher, so I'm still kind of kind of connected. Uh, but that's that's kind of how that uh, how that worked. Yeah, we, we keep teachers around. Uh, that's why we have Brian Marceau on our podcast as well. They're good people. They Yes. Guys like me, what I do, I'm just fooling around. They're actually responsible people. I yeah, they're, they, I, my hat's off to those people. Yeah, uh, time. Time. I, I will turn it over to our responsible person, Brian. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah, man. Like I said, from time to time. Um, but I mean, hey, that's that's how we can afford to do something big like this. So, question for you, Dennis. Um, sports coverage has changed a ton. I, I mean, yeah. not just over the last decade, but since you know, since your career started to now. You know, I know I first became familiar with you, KXL Live, Friday Night Sports Extra, back when we didn't have ESPN, local news. That was that was the sports news. If you didn't read the paper, you had your local news at the you had your short bit at the end of your local broadcast. That was it. Yep. But I'm curious from your end, what's an aspect of I'm gonna relate this specifically to Vandal football right now, Vandal Sports in general, but what's an aspect of covering, let's say like Idaho football, that was very different earlier in your career than it is now but i mean different in a way that like younger younger fans or like new graduates they won't understand what they're missing out because it it just doesn't exist that way anymore um i I think i think part what you first of all if you're a fan now it's way better because there's so much more information that you can get i mean look at your show um Look at all the things on the internet. Look where I can go. I can type in Idaho Vandals on a search engine, and I can look for hours on Vandal football or, or, or find players. I can find who the Vandals are recruiting, who they're talking to, all those things. That stuff was non-existent. If it didn't happen on your local news in the three and a half or four minutes they had at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, wherever you might have been, or in your local newspaper, it wasn't there. So it's way better to be a fan now. What you missed is... And I'm going to include other people, but people like Bob Curtis, when the games weren't on TV, who painted a picture. Or, you know, if you're listening to us uh, in Washington, you know, uh, Bob Robertson or Pete Gross of the Seahawks or uh, Bob Blackburn of the Sonics or Bob Rondo with the Huskies, guys that were before every game was on television, they were out painting a picture and doing those things. Um, We are so dependent on television now if we can't see the game it's almost like we don't want to listen to the game anymore and you're missing out because there truly are some people who can who can just paint the picture and you can you can see the game without being at the game or watching a television i think that's that's the thing is where you have so many you, you, i mean if the game's on you can stream the game and, you know, heck you can do your own play-by-play if you wanted to you could stream the game and do your own play-by-play you couldn't do that before. You had to wait for the radio guy, and, and you couldn't see it, and you just hoped he was good enough so you could so you could that theater of the mind. I think that's the biggest thing that are people missing out on is is a really great radio broadcaster because people don't listen to the games on radio as much as they used to. Yeah, I know. That, I, that's I, actually real quick. That's actually one of the weird things that is different about um, Big Sky teams and their Pluto con- their contracts to Pluto TV, which is the a lot of them. Um, they pair the radio broadcast with what's mm-hmm. going on in the arena. Well, they uh, now, do that of course, because 
they do that because they're cheap. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They, they but because um, it saves money, and I'm going to tell you right now, Pluto sucks. Okay. I, not I, not going to push back on that one. I, I'm I'm you know what it's 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 unfortunate that the big sky thinks that that's actually something good. I watched the Idaho women last night. Um, oh my god! And and the broadcast was one camera panning back and forth, never changing the point. I mean, don't tell me your games are on TV. Just tell me we're going to send you a one camera stream. And half the mom and dads are shooting high school basketball are doing a better job in their local high school gyms than Pluto TV. Uh, Pluto TV is an embarrassment, and the Big Sky Conference should be embarrassed that their product is on there. Yeah, see, and so I guess from your experience, if we can poke on that a little more. So we were told, is it mostly the universities are at their own will? Because they kind of have told us that, like, it would be the same if they were on ESPN – and I know when we were on ESPN, you know, at Idaho, we didn't play at, in the Sun Belt. We weren't playing in necessarily places that had, I think, much better broadcast abilities than some of the big sky schools. I feel like it is just kind of a, a Pluto thing, or maybe the conference has a lack of a bare minimum. I, I, I think what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to partner with somebody who's going to be it, it's, as, it's as cheap and it's as easy as possible. Uh, when we were in the Sun Belt Conference, you know, everybody seemed to be on ESPN3. Well, ESPN3 was basically a streaming service, and you did a actual production, a multi-camera shoot with a play-by-play guy or a, a color analyst, uh, a director, a producer, a sideline reporter, and you put the game on, and it would actually look like an actual game. Uh, Pluto TV looks like uh, you hired a 16-year-old kid uh, with his iPhone, and he just moves it back and forth and never changes it. I mean, you know, it's great because you can see all 22 guys on the field, but after about five minutes, you you don't want to watch it anymore because you can't really tell anything. So it's, you know, the big sky can say, yeah, all our games are on a streaming service or online, but it's, you know, just because they're on doesn't mean they're watchable. And Pluto TV, because of all the glitches and all the other problems, is flat unwatchable. And I'll, I'll tell you too, the, the basketball for Idaho right now at Mem Gym with the 18,000 lines and the one camera like you talked about, it is, if you don't already know who everyone is, it's virtually impossible to figure yeah. out who the individual players are. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, if, if, I was, if I was using Pluto, I, would turn, I wouldn't watch it. I would just turn the volume up because then you'd listen to the radio. Because the guy, whoever's doing the game on Pluto is doing it for radio. So he's going to do a radio broadcast on TV, which is kind of a, it's a different broadcast, but it that's you know, I I I just I I can't imagine being Chris King uh, or Larry Weir at Eastern or some of the other guys in the conference calling basketball games off of Pluto TV because they can't travel or they can't be in the building. I can't even fathom how they're going to do that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. We didn't think about that. Um, but to, I guess to kind of bring it back vandal centric here, um, what are some of your favorite moments while covering the vandals? Ooh, um, I, I'll be honest with you. Anytime I got a close game that though, you know, people are listening. It's the blowouts. It's the hard games. I mean, you know, you can, you can look at the, you know, going to Penn state and you can look at going to Auburn. Actually, when they, you know, a few years ago, going to Auburn, the vandals played really well for about a, two and a half quarters 
and then seemed to run out of steam. Penn State wasn't that case, but those are cool places to go. And the, the to me as a broadcaster, that's like I've been there, I've done a game there. That's really interesting to me. It's the close games. It's it was you know having done it the last five five years, it was the overtime win at UNLV, uh, which was which was remarkable. It was the Troy game. Uh, where the team left Spokane on a flight at 2 o'clock a.m. Saturday morning, got to Montgomery, Alabama at 9 o'clock, had an hour bus ride uh, to Troy, Alabama for a 1 o'clock kickoff and won that football game when uh, when they missed the last second field goal. Those are the games. The, the Halloween game, even though it was a loss. <laughs> Ankleception. Yeah, was, was, was truly one of the craziest games I've ever seen um just by the the amount of scoring you know the 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 bowl game the win over colorado state you know who scores 50 points in a bowl game and, and isn't within double digits i mean those are the games the games that are exciting the games that are close the games that are that are meaningful those are the games that that i have a good time with i, I i'm also an offensive guy i grew up i'm old enough to have grown up on the afl and i'm not talking about the arena football league i'm talking about the american football league where the scores were in the 40s that's the football I grew up on. So I like scoring. I don't like 10, seven games. I don't like 13, six games. Give me, give me something 35, 32, 42, 38, those kind of games. That's uh, that's, that's what I like. So that's a touchdown. Those are, those, are probably, those are probably some of the games that, that, that stick out in my mind, but there are other games that stick out for, you know, reasons. The NAU game at the end of last year, which will now wind up being the last Idaho game I called, uh, and Mason Petrino had a sensational game. And, you know, say what you want to about Mason, who was picked on by a lot of people. He had a pretty good year last year, and he ended it on the high note. So there, there, are, there are individual games that I remember for individuals, but there are games that I remember, you know, for, for those kind of things. So, Yeah. And conversely, because we're Vandals, we have a ton of these. Do you have any, any all-time gut punch games you've called? Well, the New Mexico State uh, game – on Halloween where there was like eight people in the crowd because they decided to hold it Halloween night. Um, and you know, the guy, the guy comes up the interception where he grabbed it off his ankle. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's hard. Those are hard games to lose. Those are hard games to travel home from. Uh, that's a gut punch game. Um, that's probably the one that's, that's, that's the you know i i tend to remember good games i remember that you know the last game in the Sun Belt at georgia state and colton richardson coming off the bench and throwing and really playing well in that game and, and winning that game um i remember the you know the eastern game um in the kibbe dome where that's as good a half of, from an idaho vandal football team i've seen uh, be it john l smith dennis erickson's Keith Gilbertson's, Chris Tormey's, that first half against Eastern was absolutely sensational. So yeah, I remember those kind of things. I try to remember the games that are that are better that, that are more positive than they are negative. I try to flush the negative games as fast as I can. Yeah. That uh, New Mexico State game though. I mean, uh, we were up what, 28-0 at halftime or something ridiculous yeah. too. I think there was I think it was a 28-28 point lead late in the third quarter. And, and and Idaho was running out of guys, and that was part of the problem. They ran out of defensive backs. They had four left on the field. They couldn't go to a nickel or dime package, and New Mexico State just shredded them. Yeah. I, I, that game still, to me, stands out as one of my 
because I was like waiting to go to Halloween. You mentioned like it's on Halloween, so I'm waiting to go meet up with people for Halloween. I'm like, well, I'm gonna see this one through. Like we're gonna win, and then yeah, everything just fell apart. Yeah, that trip that trip home was awful. I'm just gonna yeah. tell you because you got to drive from Las Cruces to El Paso and then fly home. That that was a bad trip home. I'll just tell you that right now. I just I think every single person we've had on this show that has experienced New Mexico State has literally described it about that way as like just it's just not fun. <laughs> well, the but. Sun Belt was it was a league of you fly somewhere and you drive an hour. Uh, yeah, it, really was. it was it was not it, it was it was awful travel. I mean. There was a year in some winter of the Sun Belt. We went to Alabama three times uh, because it played Auburn in a non-conference game. Then we played at Troy, and then we played at South Alabama. It's like, come on, conference, figure that out. You don't have to send somebody three times to Alabama. New Mexico State didn't go once. Yeah. God, Sun Belt was just – I think we've been in it twice. That's the crazy part. I mean, it was the first time Utah State and everything, but crazy. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is a good point. We, we've covered a lot, uh, but – you know, having covered Idaho football and for all intents and purposes, a lot of Idaho sports for decades now, um, yeah. you're essentially like a Vandal historian. What would you say is the current story of the football team? That's a good question. Um, I think there were some good things that they, they did last year, and I think that there are some – positives that they can build on. I really think the front seven on the defensive side, and I don't know if we're going to have a season or not, but I think that yeah. the, the defense on the front seven is as good as the front seven that has been at Idaho in a long, long time. You may, we may have to go back to the Ryan Phillips, Jeff Robinson, Brian Stranley days uh, for a front. And I don't know if the linebackers were as good then as they are now with, uh, with Christian Ellis and, and Trey Walker. I, that, that's just, that's a solid front seven. Uh, there's some question marks in the secondary uh, just because of lack of experience, some new guys back there. So that's, that's what they're going to have to do. Uh, they're going to miss Jeff Cotton a lot. Uh, he, he's, he's a guy that probably was better than Idaho, better than the big sky, and for whatever reason wound up at Idaho. And, and even a better reason for Vandal fans, he redshirted that year. So we got an extra, we got a fifth year out of him, a fifth year senior, and, and, and we saw what he did in that game in those those games last year. Uh, the, the, what what ha, what Idaho has not been able to do for a while, with the exception of a year here or there, is be good on both sides of the football at the same time. Either they're really good on defense or they're really good on offense, and that's that's been the case. And that you know, Paul's had those issues. Um, uh, um, um, Rob Akey had those issues, uh, and you saw when they were good on both sides of the football, what happened? Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you go to the humanitarian or the Idaho bowl and you, and you win, you beat Colorado state. That was a good team on both sides of the ball. Uh, Akey's team, uh, in 2009, that was a good team on both sides of the football. Defense was a little suspect, but the offense was really good. Uh, that's what, that's what, when Idaho's good on both sides of the football, they don't have to be great. They got to be good on both sides of the football. They're going to be above 500. We've seen that in the past. Chris Tormey had a couple of those teams. Um, Tom Cable did not have any of those teams that were good on both sides of the football. Uh, Nick Holt did not have any of those that were good on both sides of the football. So I, I think if, if, you can be, if you can be balanced, I, th I think you're going to win some games. And certainly you've got to be able to slow the pass down in the conference. If you can't stop people from passing the football in the Big Sky Conference, you're, you're going to be a 500 team at best. It just it doesn't work. It, there's so much talent in throwing the football in this league that – 
you don't have to stop people. You just got to slow them down. And Idaho's had issues with that. I think they're going to be able to do that this year uh, if we get a season. If we don't get a season, then certainly in the fall of 2021. I think this defense has a chance to be special. Yeah, you you kind of touched on uh, Jeff Cotton. Um, mm-hmm. And you had a, one of my favorite during the return series when we came back. Uh, you had an interview with Cottrell Haywood. And I think he promised to give you like, was it fashion advice or something like that? You end up yeah, getting that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know, uh, the kids, the kids, I call them kids because they're so much younger than I am on the, on the team, really never got to see me because uh, I'm a Hawaiian shirt, Levi's, you know, tennis <laughs> shoes or, or boat shoes kind of guy. Uh, coat and tie is not me uh, dressing up. And when you go on the charters, you got to dress up. You got to wear business uh, attire. So sometimes you wear a suit coat. Uh, I would never wear a tie um, for football, uh, but I would have, I would be dressed up. So um, yeah, my fashion is, is not great. I, I have no problem with people make fun of how I dress. I really, you know, cause I, I honestly, I don't care and it's comfortable for me. So I, you know, if you want to make fun of me, yeah. I just know, remember. There's some, guys, there's some there's some guys that can dress on that football team over the years that I the five years that I can do it. I will tell you that. So who's the best dresser? You think? Uh boy, let me think. Um, Cottrell was pretty good. Um, let me think about that. Let's let's go on to the next question. Let me see if I can okay. somebody pop pop back into my head. So I <laughs> you know I I think that. Um, let me think about um, – it's none of the offensive linemen, okay? None of those guys, okay? Almost I mean, Mike Marlboro is not a great great none dresser. Of, no, he Mike, Mike might be me, okay? I might be a better guy than him. No, none of those, none, none of those guys. None of, none of those guys. None of the defensive linemen. No, you're just not. You know, that's the way I'm built. No, you're not going to look good. It's It's got to be a receiver. It's got to be a DB. It's got to be one of those guys that's fast just standing still they just look fast um yeah um lloyd hightower was pretty good um lloyd was a really good guy elijah penny for a big guy could could dress it up every now and then um he was pretty good so those are those are some of the guys which you touched on this topic a couple times now uh has to do with the fall with the spring theoretical spring season and you know, Eastern Washington today, they released their 2021 fall schedule. And of course, you know, the potential seasons, that news is going to continue to evolve as it has been since, you know, last fall. But there was talk, I know, of if we're going to have a spring season, the fall season might be uh, potentially pushed back a little bit. I know the Big Ten initially had some schedules looking like that. Um, but I know Eastern Washington, their fall 2021 schedule week by week looks pretty dang identical to an average schedule is in the first first game, UNLV September 2nd. Their first uh, Big Sky Conference game would be Portland State September 25th, uh, end of the season November 20th, which to me that, that looks not that different from any Big Sky schedule we've seen over the last few years. Have, have you heard anything specific from anyone, I mean, about the feasibility of actually doing the spring season? I know, like uh, – well, Colton Juan is out of Montana. Gonna, he is on the record saying he doesn't think they're actually going to do it. Just they're waiting for the first team to say we're done. Right. Uh, here's what I think. Um, I think we're going to we're going to wait until we start practice in February first. We're going to see where the numbers are. We're also going to see what who's been vaccinated and where we are with the vaccine. Uh, I think that they want to play. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to play. Um, I think they'll try to start it. Uh, but what we saw in the Pac-12 is if you miss one game, you're going to miss two games. Um, now, the Big Sky has built in bye weeks in week four and week what is it? Uh, eight. So you play three weeks, you take a week off. You play three weeks, you take a week off. They built those in where everybody has those where you can reschedule games because they're trying to get it. They're trying to get teams to have the number of games they need to get into the FCS playoffs. There's what is there five leagues that have already opted out of FCS? I think have already opted out of the spring league. So I I don't know. I think they're going to try, or at least they're going to wait until we see what the numbers are in another two months. I don't know how far they're willing to push it back uh, into the spring. Are they willing to, instead of starting the end of February, they're willing to start the end of March. Uh, if they are, that might be more feasible. <clears throat> but the other concern is, is we're going to get to a point where you're going to have to stop playing because you're going to turn around and play in the fall and you're going to play a full game and I, a full 11 game season. I truly believe we're going to play in the fall. I, I just, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to play in the fall. You can play six weeks in the spring because it's a little bit longer than spring football. But, you know, and then you start looking at how close, where are we? So I think they're going to try. And what we do is we may get a start. We may get two weeks in. We may get a weekend. We may get three weeks in before they say, no, there's just no no, no teams. Not not anybody's able to play. And the NCAA just pulls the plug on it. I mean, the fact that everybody gets a free year, um, I think, is a positive. Um, and if somebody has to, you know, you get three games in, um, it might be a situation where, you know, that's your spring football. That's better than 15 practices and you prepare for three weeks. I don't know. I think they're going to try. I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, so I guess if you could give, I'm kind of curious, what are some of your favorite stories from the football coaches? Like, are there any? Because oh. I heard, Inky, you know, we've had him on. Funny dude. Um, Petrino's a guy Rob, people Rob don't really get a lot of insight into. Yeah. Rob is one of my five time, one in top five all time coaches ever uh, to deal with. Um, very easy to deal with, very just carrying on a conversation. Um, and he's, you know, no, no questions out of bounds. It's, it's, I, it's, he's really good. I really like Rob Aikie. Uh, Dennis Erickson, I'll go back to when I started covering Idaho Bama's. My first big sky football game was in 1974, uh, actually 73, the fall of 73 when I was a sophomore in high school. I went and saw Idaho State play uh, Nevada Reno, uh, in then what was the mini dome. That whole arena, and so I've been around the league for that long. I started covering uh, um, Idaho. My first uh, sports job was in radio in Pocatello after my sophomore year in college in 1970. This fall of '78, so I've been around the league for a long time, and and I've seen Idaho. Uh, interviewed Dennis Erickson. Um, first time I talked to him was 1982 when he took the job at the University of Idaho. Uh, I like Dennis a lot. Dennis is a really good coach. Dennis is a really smart coaching mind. He's not a great interview, but he's he's you know he gives you what from my perspective he gives you he gives you what you need. Keith Gilbertson was a cracker. Um, we um, Keith was Keith was always freaked out on Boise State 
Okay, and that was the last regular season game. And um, you could go down in the Kibbe Dome and you could shoot practice, and, and then you wait and do your interviews when you're covering the team. Uh, there was no internet, so you couldn't put plays up. Nobody could sneak in, and you know those kind of things. So it was just it was it was it was old time sports reporting, but it was fun. So one day we're at, we're down there for Boise State week, and you can't shoot anything Boise State week. You can't take your camera out. All you can get is interviews. So we parked our camera over on the corner against the wall, and Keith walks over as he always does, and he goes, "That camera's not on." And now. It's pointed away from the field. We are standing maybe eight feet away from it. Okay. Even if it's turned on, you're not getting it. He was so freaked out. So we were talking and um, there was a new guy from Krem TV, who was another TV station in Spokane. He didn't know who the guy was. Brand new had just started. And he goes, who's that up there? Because they were upstairs doing something. They had a camera and, you know, he didn't know the rules. So he goes, oh, that's the new reporter from Boise. He lost it. He had that guy thrown out. Uh, he called security. <laughs> he and so we didn't say anything. We didn't say anything. So we found out Keith got in trouble from the university. Not you know trouble. You know not they. Hey, don't do that anymore. And so we we go down. We go down, and he's waiting for us. He is. He is waiting for us. And he's just you guys. You know you guys. Funny. Ah, oh, you got me into trouble. It was. It was. It was a great. John L. Smith was great. I, I, I love John L. John L. was fun to work with. He was he was great. Chris Tormey was kind of a uh, Chris Tormey changed things. Practices were open. You could shoot anything you wanted. Chris Tormey came in, um, and it was it was difficult. It was it was hard. We uh, Joel Thomas was getting a sixth year back. I called and said, we're coming down. We need some video of Joel in practice. That's all we need. We don't need him doing 11 on 11, 7 on 7. I just need him running through the, the tires, you know, sprinting, whatever. We need like 12 shots. That's all we need. I couldn't get him. Wouldn't, couldn't get him, you know. And so I for about a year and a half, um, we didn't send anybody down to Idaho to do anything um, because it was just you couldn't do anything. All you could do was interviews, and you could get those from the university. So Chris, Chris could be a little bit hard to deal with. He's a good friend of mine now. I like him, you know. But he was—he had grown up in that Don James school of paranoia, where everybody was out to get you. And so I'm just going to close everything down. Uh, Nick Holt was Nick Holt. You know, Nick is Nick is a high-strung guy, and um, we had we had our our issues. I don't want to say our issues, uh, but Nick. He's probably the coach that may have trusted me more than anybody else. When he's leaving the University of Idaho, we went down. I'd, I had known his wife longer than Nick because she was a basketball coach at Gonzaga before she went to Idaho. They got married, and uh, Julie, and she's great. She's fabulous. So um, we find out that he's leaving Idaho to go to work for the Detroit Lions because um, – Scott Lenahan is the head coach, and he's hired Nick to be the defensive line coach in Detroit. So we drive down there, and, and um, we get in the car and drive down, and he's, he's not taking our calls. And no, no. So I called his wife, and I said, where's Nick? And she goes, he's at the house. And I said, well, we're coming down. We want to talk to him. I said, so she goes, I'll call him, and I'll tell him to talk to you. So she called him, and she said, yeah, he'll talk to you guys. So we drove to his house. We did the interview. Great. Get Start taking the camera down. And he goes, well, I don't know if I'm going. Yet. 
I go, what? I said, you've already resigned. Yeah, uh, Pete Carroll's called me and wants to be go to USC and to be the defensive line or defensive coordinator. I think it was at USC. He goes, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Yet. And I said, well, if you trust me, then let me ask you some questions. Like, it's the USC, so we'll, so we redid the interview whether he got the USC job. So we had two interviews. We had one if he was going to the Lions. We had one if he was going to USC, and we didn't use them. But he trusted us to only use the one that was the appropriate one, and we did, and we were the only ones who had that stuff. So Nick, I, I, I owe that to Nick. Nick is Nick has been great. Uh, I just actually uh, texted him the other day. Uh, he's he's uh, he's he's really good. Rob, Rob was good. Paul Paul is interesting. Paul is all football. He's, there's two things about Paul Petrino. It's football and his family, and there isn't anything else. Okay, and once you understand that. He's really easy to work with. He's he he is he's a football coach, uh, and if you knew his dad, his dad's the same way. Very intense, very this is football, but family's important too. And it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I got along with Paul fabulous. He was great. He would, the coaches shows were great. It was really good. Um, but I. I I can see if you're not willing to understand where he comes from, how he can rub some people the wrong way. I think he gets a bad rap sometimes. Um, so, you know, I've always said this is this is the key to my success in getting along with coaches. I've always said I don't care how the coach likes me or not, as long as his wife likes me. Okay, <laughs> as long as the wife likes the, likes the broadcaster. If the coach goes home and complains about the broadcaster. The wife will say, no, 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 you don't understand. He's a really good guy. He's got your back. He's fine. He's those things. So I always tried to make fun, make, um, you know, make, make sure the wife likes you. Because if the, if the coach likes you and the wife hates you, you're in big trouble. You got no shot. So that's, that's the key to any young broadcaster. Make sure the coach, head coach's wife likes who you are. That's, yeah. It's, it's funny you said that because, uh, well, well, when you're talking about Paul, that's exactly how I remember my first encounter with him being when we went to the, what that be, the 18, 19 media days. And when we actually got to sit down and talk to him, that was my first experience with him. And I was just amazed by how exactly, like, you just start sitting down and you talk X and O's in football. And, like, and there's something that he lights up. And that's what I was kind of saying. Like, I feel like when you hear people talk about him, you don't always hear that, like, He's actually not – he gets a weird stigma for being difficult, but I really enjoy my time I got, man. Like, he's very, like, very football smart. He's one of my favorite people to sit down and just talk X's and O's with. I learned so much about the game uh, from him. Um, you know, it's funny. We had a guy – and, and normally a coach will talk football and will, you know, dabble in other things. There was a there was a there's a time in the police where he had a guy at Washington State who didn't want to talk any football. And Mike Leach, he he did not want to talk football with you at all. He would talk anything else. Paul, on the other hand, wanted to talk nothing but football. And you know, so as long as you know how to deal with coaches and 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 what they're excited in, and then you kind of can twist it and drive it your way, uh, I think that's that's good. I Paul Paul is so much fun to sit down and talk X's and O's with. Because you learn something, uh, you learn something every day. He's a really smart football mind. 
He's a really mm-hmm. smart football mind. Yep. You know, Dennis, you just, just kind of covered, honestly, all, all the coaches from Idaho I could come up with off the top of my head, uh, which is going to have me circle back to Dennis Patch and Vandal Historian for a second. I want to hear your – I want to hear – and actually, no, it's not Historian. We're going to give you the Tubbs of the Club honorary title, University of Idaho Athletic Supreme Court Justice Patchen. Um, <laughs> we want to hear your – this is the official adjudication. Other people can have takes. That doesn't matter. This is official. Okay. We want to hear your – I want you to weigh in from the bench on the two most okay. consequential moves Idaho football, Idaho's football team has made over the past 30 years. And those two moves are moving up to FBS in 1996 and moving back down to FCS in 2018. Okay. Um, I, I am of the belief that when Idaho moved up, I thought it was okay, but my question is, is where are you trying to get to? Um, and I didn't think Idaho had clear mind exactly where they were going and what the goal was. Were you just going because Boise State was going? If that's the case, then that's the wrong answer. Uh, I think Boise State, uh, Vandal fans are going to hate me for this, I think Boise State had a plan. I'm not sure Idaho Athletics had a plan. I think Idaho was a reactionary move. I think Boise State was a move that was like, we were going. The problem for the University of Idaho was is as Boise State and I, I'm I'm as big a Boise State hater as there is. Okay, just so just so we get that on. But the way that the state capital, the way that businesses, the way that there was there was an excitement in Boise, uh, and there was also a um, a financial situation. You had corporations. I mean, the Boise State alumni base wasn't raising the money, but you had places you could go to get the money. And once they turned the football program around and really started winning, then everybody wanted to be part of it. You, you can see that anywhere where you, if you've got a successful program, people want to be part of it. Idaho didn't have the corporate sponsorship behind it. They had the booster sponsorship. They had a lot of alumni in very powerful positions in the state and still do. But there isn't the corporation base in Moscow that there is in Boise. So my the, the first thing is is where are you going, and what's your end goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, you're not going to be able to get to the Pac-12, okay? So are you okay playing at the next level where you're not playing for a national championship? That that's that was my concern. I'm a big proponent of FCS football because you're playing for something. I think teams in the Sun Belt um, and the MAC. And those leagues, what are you playing for? Um, as good as Boise State has been, what are they playing for? Um, as good as BYU has been, do, do they get to play for a national championship? No. So so you're playing to win a conference championship and go to a bowl game? What's that mean? Um, so I think – I think – I think moving up was a mistake. There was some success, but there wasn't a lot. I was okay with moving back, and I'll tell you why. Is because where was Idaho going to play? I mean, the Sun Belt had basically said, you're out, 
okay, we don't want you in here anymore. You're done. Your four-year run is done. You're out of the conference. Where are you going to play? Um, going into the Sun Belt, if you remember, Idaho did play a year as an independent. I think there was four money games, and it was a disastrous season. And you yeah, paid the bills, but yeah, you paid the bills, but it was just it was it was not a good thing. And, and it's just you know, kids kids want to play in winning programs, and if there's no conference championship to play for, that's what, what are you playing for? So being able to play for a conference championship that actually means something, I think I think is good. Um, I was okay with them staying, but not as an independent. And as, as long as they didn't have a league to play in, and if you talk to the people in New Mexico State, that's a nightmare right now. That's an absolute nightmare. They got no league. It doesn't look like they're going to get into a league. Nobody wants them in their league. And they're, they're just hanging out there. And they're not going to get to go anywhere. They're not going to get to a bowl game at the end of the year. So, I, you know, I am also one of those guys that, you know, if, if you're playing for a championship, that means something. If you're playing to go to a third-tier bowl game, are you really? Is that really what you want to do? I mean, everybody in high school plays for a state championship. Uh, everybody, you know, in, in a professional football plays for a championship. You you want to play for a championship? FCS plays for a championship. You can go to Idaho and win a national championship. You can't go to Boise State and win a national championship. You're not. You're not going to. You're never going to get a chance as long as it's just four teams. So, I was okay with them moving back down because there wasn't a place to go. And I think that's one thing that people didn't just sit down and look. Okay, the Sun Belt doesn't want us. It's not like Idaho said we're out of the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt says pack your bags and get out. So they would have had to have been an independent, and they'd still be an independent, okay? Because New Mexico State is going to get is going to get a conference before Idaho does if Idaho State at the FBS level just because it's so hard to get to because the teams are so far away. I mean, you know, there was there was talk that, that – that, that the Dakotas were going to go and Montana and Montana state was going to go. And if North Dakota and North Dakota state went to South Dakota, South Dakota state, and they'd all jump up to the FBS level um, and play. But it, once again, those schools looked at it and said, we, we're not playing for anything. We're going to play to go to a bowl game three days or three days before or after Christmas. We'd rather play for a national championship. And I think that the fact that Idaho's back into that conversation um, I think it's okay. The, the problem is, is Idaho's never going to get to where Boise State is right now. So you, you, you can only chase that dog for so long before you run into a fire hydrant and you're just not going to be able, you're not going to be able to get to where they are. I mean, look, look what happened today. Brian Harson supposedly took the Auburn job, you know, cause he basically said, we need to get out of the mountain West. And he looked around and said, we're not getting out of the mountain West. So I'm getting out of the mountain West and I'm going to the SEC. Boise has the same problem right now that Idaho had in the Sun Belt. There's no place to go. There's no place to go for Boise State. As much as they've had success in football, they're not that attractive, at least to where they want to go. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Uh, one, that's what we were talking about before the show is like, what does this mean for Boise State? Possibly Olympic, because I, I know there's talks about the AAC. So maybe their Olympic sports end up in the sky, but then would they do the perspective of being on the same level with Idaho and Idaho State, even though the big sky makes total sense for their Olympic sports? But uh, I, I, and you I'm going to tell you right. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. If I'm the Big Sky Conference, I don't take any. I don't take no. If no, I agree. Football, you're not playing football. You're out. I, if I was the commissioner of the conference, I would go to Pauly, I would go to Davis, and I would go. Are you? Are you? Are you all in? Because if you're not, you're out. 
you go find someplace else to play football. We'll play it three or four times on a non-conference schedule, but but you're out. Um, you know, the, the, the Eastern schedule came out. Eastern Washington and the University of Montana are 215 miles away, and they're not playing in 2021. Why? Because we have to protect Polly and Davis. Okay? Shut up. Okay? This is a game that's cheap to play. This is a game that the fan bases want to see played. This would be like Idaho and Eastern not playing. And that happened That had happened on the schedule. This is like Idaho not playing Montana. That could happen on the schedule. It doesn't make any sense. It's like Idaho State and Weber not playing. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's insanity on those situations. So, so come on, Big Sky Conference. Let's do what's best for the conference. Let's not do what's best for the teams that are only here for football. You know, if you're Davis and if you're Pauly and you're only in for football, are you really all in? Are you really worried about the conference or are you, are you just worried about where you're going to play football? Because if that's the case, then you get the leftovers and we're going to make sure that the teams that are playing everything get the games that their fan bases and they need. It's funny. I I feel like this leads in perfectly to my next question. I, I feel like you need to find a way to get Are You Kidding Me Back as a segment. Uh, that's what I felt <laughs> like I was listening to. Um, so that was kind of my next question. Do you have a favorite kind of vandal? Are you kidding me? Ooh. Ah, gosh, I don't, I, you know, no. But, you know, um, it's kind of, it's it's not an are you kidding me, but it's kind of a, kind of a, uh, just kind of peels the curtain back on Bob Curtis a little bit. Um, I, my first experience to Bob, I was, Gosh, I was think I was 15. I found him on the radio doing an Idaho Vandal game. And the reason I found him is there was a guy who uh, who his mom was the librarian in her high school. He was a senior when I was an eighth grader uh, and went and played at the uh, University of Idaho. And um, so I was listening to the game on the radio. And Bob, Bob in the 70s, Bob was really good. I mean, he was really, really, really good. He's he was he was as good as there was. In college football, that's the reason he's in. You know, the, the, he's won the, the Schenkel Award. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He was really good. So I'd listen in, and he just sounded like it, it was fun to be there. It was fun to be at the dome. It was fun to to, to be there. Um, fast forward to my broadcasting career, and that always stuck in my head. So uh, I got to know Bob when I came to Spokane, and. Um, I was on the air doing TV and I got to know him and we did a couple stories with him. And I think when, you know, he, he hit 500 games, right? We, I mean, we did a bunch of stories and I would always tell him when the first time I introduced him to me, I would, I would uh, say, I, I, I'm so happy to meet you. I used to listen to you in high school. Uh, you're one of the guys is the reason I'm in the business. And he'd look at me and he goes, if I had a nickel for every guy who said that I've had a bunch of nickels and I would, you know, laugh, ha ha ha. So it was like, I wasn't sure how to take that. Was it like, was that a compliment or was that not a compliment? So I would, every time I would see Bob, I would say, Hey Bob, Hey Bob. And, and the older I got, probably the worse it got. And I would always say, Hey, I mean, remember I used to listen to you in high school and it would kind of just build up and build up and build up. One time Bob just snapped at me and he, and he goes, blankety blank you patching. Yeah, I go, well, wait, I thought that was a compliment. I used to listen to you in high school. This is about the time I'm like, 50 this is this is a couple years before he died and go, do you know how old that makes me if you know so it was it was <laughs> it's it's kind of a, it's kind of an are you kidding me moment because 
sometimes you know you peel the curtain back a little bit and the person isn't um isn't isn't what you think it was bob bob was so fun to be around he was so great to be around he's just a great broadcaster just a, just a fun guy to be around but he can be a little salty every now and then if uh, <laughs> if he needed to be so so this might be a different way of asking the vandal are you kidding me moments but uh dennis let's say we make you athletic director at idaho for a day what are some of the what are some of the moves you think just need to happen at that at our school well i, I tell you what uh the first thing is already happening that's the building of the new basketball facility um that that gets you out of the kibbe dome for basketball that gets you out of Memorial Gym while you're waiting for football to end, and it gives them your own facility, and it gives you a place to recruit. I would think that uh, in talking to the guys that had been there uh, before, now you know Don Munson didn't have this problem because he was winning games, and the Kibbe Dome was actually full. And I'm not talking about Cowan Spectrum. I'm talking about there were 12,000 people in watching that basketball team uh, that made it to the Sweet 16. But the other guys have said, you know, um, it's hard to recruit here. It's hard when you bring a recruit in for a basketball game and, and the, the atmosphere isn't very good. The new building is going to be, is going to be great. Um, that, that is checked off the books. Uh, project started by Rob Spear, finished by Terry Golick. Uh, hats off to them. Uh, the university president, you know, great, great job. Um, the other probably, and I know that Terry's been working on this, is try and get back you know, the boosters and you're going to, you might be able to get some, you might not be able to get all is the people that were, that basically stopped donating or stopped giving when the team dropped from the FBS back to the FCS. And I know that's not an easy situation, but to me, that would be, that would be goal number one. And and then probably, and and these are all things that are being done. The other thing would be is trying to figure out how to energize um, the, um, the, the fan base, uh, but also try and, you know, try and figure out a way to get a little more media coverage from Spokane. Um, you know, I know Gonzaga's changed everything and Eastern football has changed everything. But when I got to Spokane in 1984, the Vandals were the number two team in your coverage. That's Washington State was first, Idaho was second. Uh, I don't think you can ever displace Gonzaga. So you got to figure out where you can get your niche in there. And certainly... Uh, certainly get the coverage back into the Boise Valley because those three TV stations in Boise have just become all Broncos all the time. And if that means hiring um, a staff of video, uh, uh, just like a reporter who shoots practice, does interviews and, and basically hands stories uh, to stations, I think you can get them back on the news. You can get them back up. I think that that's a, that's a really important thing that Idaho is not doing is, is a, is a video arm uh, and I think that that would more than pay for itself if if you were to be able to do that. That would be those, those would be the things I do. But two of those are already under underway. I know for sure. Yeah, and winning makes the other two even easier. <laughs> sure. If you, you, you start you winning, win regular the stations will cover you, and boosters Wait. will come back. For how much they right. say they'll never be back. If we're in a deep playoff run. They'll be back. Right. You get into you get into the playoffs at all. Forget about the first playoff run. You get in the playoffs at all. And you start storing an upward climb, yeah, they're going to come out. They will come. Yeah. Um. So we're kind of coming up on time. So I guess now would be a good time to kind of ask you that John Freeze story you kind of teased us with uh, at the beginning of the okay. show. So. so 
I, I've, I've known John since he was in high school at Coeur d'Alene High. I covered him starting his sophomore year in high school. He took over as the starter there at Coeur d'Alene. And John, John is John is one of the five nicest people that I have ever covered uh, as an athlete. Um, he couldn't be nicer. Uh, his mom and dad are great. He's just family. He's great. He, he couldn't be nicer. He's about ready to become a grandpa. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, Did not. Yeah, his, his, one of his sons and, uh, and uh, his wife are about ready to have a baby here any day now. So uh, good luck to John being a grandpa. I, I can't wait to see him after he becomes that because uh, I'm going to tease him. Uh, like there's no tomorrow um but he so we, i covered for three years at Coeur d'Alene. uh i cover him at the university of idaho wins it he wins the peyton award and is about ready to get drafted and um day before the draft i mean there, there was talk that he was going to go late first round or early second round is where where he had been tapped so i go to his house the friday before the draft i think it was the draft was saturday sunday at that time um and do a story with him and i go in and his basement is all decorated, and it's, I mean, there it's ready for a party. Uh, and we do a quick interview and run the story, okay? And that's when the, I think the draft was five rounds, and then the, the second day was the rest of it. He's not picked in the first round. He's not picked in the second round. He's not picked in the third round. He's not picked in the fourth round. He's not picked, and it's like the whole first day goes, he's not picked. Well, I'm a TV guy. Um, I'm a reporter. I got to call him back. I called John and I said, John, um, you can tell me no if you want, and I will completely understand. He answered the phone, which I would have never answered the phone. I mean, that shows how good guy he is. And I said, I'd like to come back to you and ask you about tomorrow and that whole thing. And he paused for a minute. He goes, yeah, come on. Now. And I was like, I was really hoping that he would say no. Uh, I no. No, sorry. And I would have been I would have been fine with that. I would have said, okay, John, I, I had to call and I wouldn't have said anything to anybody about it. I would just, you know, he didn't get drafted, hopefully get strapped tomorrow and move on to the next story. So I went back out there and I went and it, and it, it the, the downstairs went back into the downstairs, the downstairs. It 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 had the feeling not of a of a party, it had almost the feeling of, of a funeral. Um and it wasn't it wasn't Maybe it was my feeling. It wasn't the feeling I got from anybody there because nobody was there either time. It just was. It was weird because it was just you know what he thought was going to happen didn't happen, and it's you know it's multiplied. It's you know the the uh, Aaron Rodgers thing times a hundred. It just didn't play out in national TV, but it played out in a young man's room. Now he gets picked like one of the first picks of the next day and I go back out there and we interview and everything. It's, it's party again. It's great. But it, 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 I have so much respect for John after a doing that interview and how he handled himself when it just, most people would have a never answer the phone. B would have, there's no chance they would have talked to anybody. Um, and I felt really bad, but that's my job. And he could say no, but I, he, he earned a million miles of respect for me for, for just sitting down and doing that. I think that's why, you know, he's been, been successful with pretty much whatever he's done is that's who he is. That's, that's who he was raised as his parents. And that's, that's who he's become. So. You know, with that, we're, um, we're closing in on that, on our final segment, uh, where it's time for, for it's time for us to get ice, and 
just so just so you're clear, uh, every time a, a first time guest comes on, they get to ask me and Chris a question. It can be sports related, it can be vandal related, it can really cover anything. Okay. We want to give you a few seconds to make sure you have your getting asked question in mind, and we'll jump right back into oh, your question I, after we hit I, the ad read. I already know what it is. I already knew what it was when you told me at the beginning of the show I get to ask this question. So if you guys are ready, I'm asking this question right now. We're going to put our listeners in suspense while we run through our quick ad read, then we'll throw it right back to you. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're back in, right now. We're back into weekly or almost weekly episodes on Tubs of the Club and with our favorite season, football season, just a couple months away. That's 67 days out of our recording. If you like what we're doing, consider giving Tubs of the Club a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Share our posts on social media, or if you can, consider chipping in, helping us keep the lights on by becoming a patron to Tubs of the Club by signing up at patreon.com backslash Tubs of the Club. We have a good thing going that's only going to get better as our football team looks to take another step. Our men's basketball team somehow turns around, and our women's basketball team just keeps doing what they're already doing. And listener support is what helps us cover operating costs, while Chris, Martin, Alex, and I do our best to give you the vandal coverage you need. So sign up to our Patreon and make a one-time gift at paypal.me backslash tubs at the club. Quick thank you to our tub card members, Dallas Hammer and Matthew Janicek, tub token member, Nick Stutzman, and premium drink token members, Nick Weber, Dave Ellison, Taylor Cash, and Darren Kozlak. And with that, Dennis, we're ready to get ice. All right. So my question then for you guys is, um, did it take me actually leaving as the voice of the Idaho Vandals before he actually asked me on the show? So I don't, I don't, I don't get why I, why it took so long here. Was it, did, it because I quit? It's like, man, let's throw the old guy a bone. He's walking out the door. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get him on. What, what? I, I need an answer here. Don't and don't give me, don't give me this media BS answer. Give me, give me the answer. How come Patchen wasn't on the show before? Yeah, well, we we pride ourselves. Well, I don't know if we pride ourselves, but uh, none of us are media except the guy who started it. So I'm happy to. Yeah, it's 100. percent We're throwing you a bone. I mean, God, you, you're not coming to Vandals anymore. We figured we figured you'd just be dying to be like, wow, I, I just gotta. I'm already you know scratching the itch. I gotta talk some Vandals, and how am I gonna do that anymore? So we're like, all right, I guess it's time we we throw the old voice of the Vandals on the podcast. But no, I mean, honestly, probably should have. Um, I think we're still figuring out how this stuff works. Are you afraid I would say no? I don't think it was that because we met you at Media Days, and I was going to laugh when you're telling your story. Yeah, Brian hit you with the same line you hit with Bob Curtis. He was like, I grew up listening to you, and you actually hit us with the, oh, that makes me feel old. No, see, I, you know what? I got told very early on in my career that, that people invite you into their house. They feel like you're part of the family. So I would never, I would never do that. I would say thank you very much. Um, you know, we covered multiple generations uh, on, on our high school football show. I mean, I've been in Spokane. This will be pretty coming up on 37 years here. Uh, so, I, you know, no, I would, I would, I would have never done that. I would, I always am very nice to people who come up to me. So. I'm just, I'm just disappointed in this. I had to wait this long. Dude, what I'd add to that is, first off, I when I came on the show, the show was a year old. 
I, I was drafted after I sent Chris like 1,600 direct Twitter messages during football games. And I'm pretty sure he's like, Jesus Christ, I'm just going to have him on the show. I don't want to read this shit anyway. Get K. Bryant, come on. But, uh, you know, it's my, this, I wasn't on initially. And I know there's, there's a handful of podcasts kind of like what we have. Uh, Montana Mint is one. Eagle Power Hour is another. Where we actually didn't do that many interviews during the regular seasons. And it wasn't until COVID came on that just because we want to stay on the air, and if there's nothing going on, what we do is we invite people on. So, like, for us, the last few months, we've had four interviews in the last three months than we had in the first two, probably two and a half years combined. Yeah, I think what we had, like, Marcel Posey. I think that was it. Maybe Rico. Was it, was it, was it Ryan Phillips on your show a while back? No, we haven't had Ryan Phillips on either. We had uh, Eric Heisaw on. Okay, you need to. He... Oh, one of my favorite Idaho Vandals. Guy, guy, guy who I thought if he played strong safety, would have played in the National Football League. Yeah, well, now, now we're more used to this thing. We should probably get him on now that he's, you know, really our only. Well, I guess Chris King's a good guy too, so maybe we'll have more voices of the Vandal on. But I don't think this will be the last time we have you on either. Uh, I think. You're a. Uh, well, I, if, 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 if this is the last time, and then I'm really going to be mad at you guys. Uh, <laughs> and I will tell you, Chris, Chris, is, Chris, Chris might be too nice a guy. I'm going to tell you that. He's about, he's about as nice a guy as you're, as you're ever going to meet. He, he, even me and him just talking, he doesn't say bad things about anybody. So he's, <laughs> it's he's, a Chris he's, thing. He's a really nice guy. And I'm really happy. He's got the job. He works hard. He's going to be. He's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. I hope he's not as good as I am, but he might be better. Now, you set a bar really high. We'll see. But it, I, we agree. It's uh, we have Eastern and Montana fans that when we play basketball, they would message us, "Who is this guy? He is so good to listen to." So, um, we've heard it. Um, so yeah, real quick before uh, we let you go here. Uh, so. Obviously, no longer the voice of the Vandals. What are you up to now? And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, and my Twitter is really simple. It's DPSWX. Uh, I'm the sports director at SWX and KHQ uh, Television. Um, and part of me taking this job was my old job. I had the ability to be able to, to do Vandal football games, this one will not allow me to do it. The, the one thing that um, if the people live in the Spokane area who get SWX uh, on cable or in uh, northern Idaho or I think it's in Lewiston and uh, in, in some other places, um, even in Montana a little bit and Tri-Cities is I will be doing some Idaho uh, football and basketball games for SWX on TV. So um, you'll still be able to hear me. You'll still be able to see me. It's just, it just didn't mesh. And um, it just, this was a full-time job. And unfortunately the voice of the vandals is not a full-time job. It worked in my old first, my old full-time job. It didn't work in with my new full-time job. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I have to thank Tom Morrison and, and Rob Spear. Those are the two guys that really, really pushed for me to do the games. And uh, I had a lot of fun in the five years. Uh, Ryan Phillips, I think, is as good an analyst as there is. I really like him. He really works hard. I'm going to miss doing the games 
but um, you know, economic things kind of dictate what sometimes what you can and can't do. And uh, and I was fortunate enough to get the job here at KHQ and SWX, and unfortunately, it just didn't fit in the schedule doing games on the radio anymore. So, all right, well. I think we can uh, thank you for coming on for sure. And then I think uh, we're definitely going to have to make this a reoccurring <laughs> because there's a lot more we could have talked about. You should have saw Brian and I yeah, behind the scenes know. on the outline, deleting things to make time. So we'll have to do some follow-ups. <laughs> cool. All right, Dennis. Well, thank you for coming on. And- on anytime that, that worked for you. Um, we can have back. Yep. yep. All right, Dennis, if you're going to do all the booking work for us, yeah, we'll take you. Yeah, yeah. If you book yourself anytime. <laughs> all right. See you, Dennis. You guys know how to get old. <laughs> right, Sounds good. So, yeah. right, see you, Dennis. All right, Brian. Well, that was Dennis Patchen. Uh, I would say – I we say this after like almost every episode, but – One of the, some of the best information we ever got from a single episode. Uh, yeah, dude, no question. And one of the good things about having a guy like Dennis on is, I mean, look, we we have an outline we prep. Like he knows enough about Vandal Sports, he doesn't need to prep. We no. yeah, you just throw him a question. We didn't even get to touch stuff like how preposterous it is that in basketball, men and women don't play Boise State every single year. You know, there's there's a lot of, and I mean. Not that we will transition to basketball in a second, but I mean, that's actually, particularly men's basketball, that's a whole different topic that I'd be, I know he's the voice of the Vandals from a football perspective, but if he's going to be announcing basketball games, we probably have to have him on the talk state of Vandal Hoops sometime. Right. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are prob- would definitely have him back. I mean, he made a really good point, right, when he asked him, like, you know, I know we talked about it. I don't know why we never pulled the trigger or anything, but I think you're 100% right. It was just, I mean, most of our listeners know. Basically, until COVID, we had Colton Clark on, which, you know, basically, I guess Dennis is the equivalent of having a Colton Clark on. We just didn't pull up that, that connection as much. But um, podcast is already running a little long. And as you covered, we still have to touch basketball, which I think leads into listeners don't fret. I think you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised with what we're going to tell you. Maybe not the results, though. Yeah, and the big news from Tubbs the Club guys is we're we're just going to restructure how we're covering men's and women's basketball. We're we're of course going to still have weekly shows to the extent we can, especially once football starts. That that's an effortless process to have that weekly show. Basketball, we're going to start. We're going to shift from a once weekly show to uh, multiple five to fifteen minute post game reactions that we record. So it's a lot. So it's a bit more timely. So there, we're not waiting, you know, five days after a game to give commentary. You guys can get the Vandal commentary you want, essentially right when it happens. And as far as basketball goes, it's going to be a lot easier. For example, I'll show you exactly how that's going to work. It's just much easier to have a, a short discussion about like our men. We had one game last week. We lost to, at University of Utah. 41 to 79. We're down 40 to 16 at halftime. Truly one of the worst Vandal performances I've absolutely ever seen. Like our kind of positive note is yeah, Scott Blakeney led us with 13 points, but there isn't a ton uh, for us to go over other than if we we're doing a post game, we would talk about like what the, 
we can talk about what the implications are and right now. Like this just doesn't look like a good basketball team. And I don't know. Look, we got to see what Kendall McHugh can do. But it, if Kendall McHugh is not all big sky, I don't know how much turnaround is in this Idaho team. But better news, our women just beat Seattle U in Moscow, 105-96 to in their second-to-last non-conference game. Uh, circling back, our men 0-3 in, non-con- in non-conference, 0-2 in conference right now. Women get the nine-point win in Moscow. Even though they, they trailed at the end of the first quarter by round eight, um, for the game, our women shot 10 to 26 from three and 50% from the field. Beyonce B led us with 33 points. Paris Ashley added 26. And Gina Markson, preseason all big sky. I expect her to be postseason all big sky too. Scored 24 points and grabbed seven rebounds. Our women close out in non-conference play Wednesday. So if you're listening to this Thursday, a game already happened at University of Arizona. And then right around the new year, both the men and women resume conference season Men at home against NAU, women on the road at NAU. Yep, and that's basketball. It'll be the the goal is probably more after each game, so people know. So you're gonna get more enough time for Brian and Martin, and I think they'll be separate. We haven't really worked that stuff out. Their emotional takes, but also enough time that they've gotten some statistics there for you guys. We think this is gonna work better. You don't really need thirty to forty five minutes on basketball. That being said, for bigger games. You know, the season preview, maybe when we play Wazoo, if we ever play Boise State, when the men get rolling, maybe like Montana, Eastern, et cetera, bigger games, we'll probably do another episode, uh, episodic type thing. But for the time being, we feel like most of the time people only need a quick 15-minute reactional update to how we played against NAU and how the women played against Sac State. Uh, so that's how we're going to do it. If you hate it, let us know. Obviously, people really like the old way. We'd, we'd find a way to go back. But the real news is just – Producer Jerry's prices were exorbitant to run that show, and I don't want to do it. So uh, we had to cut costs, as it were. So that Patreon, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, that, that's basketball. We've got a lot of cool stuff. We just had, like, our annual thing. So we got a lot of stuff in the works. We hope to have a lot of stuff to start breaking to you guys here shortly. But that's the end of this episode. The most important thing is this is not our last episode you're going to get before the new year. This is not the last episode you're even going to get this week. We have premiering at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, the 24th. So for some of you, if you're listening to this on audio tonight, if you're watching on YouTube in two days, uh, we're going to have a live premiere of our interview with Scott Green, the president of the University of Idaho that a lot of people requested. Uh, maybe not quite as in-depth and like vandal knowledge as uh, Dennis Patchen just gave us, but so more university interminglings and you know, the future plan of the university and how we're going to continue this legacy of leading. That, that's all I've got, Brian. You got anything else before we, we send it to the best bands in all the land? No, man. I'm fine to say it's go Vandals and we're done. Right. Time for them to play us out with the beer song. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.